It's also possible for a lawyer to be just plain stupid, isn't it? Please, I'm an attorney. I can tort you into the poorhouse. Looks like cleanup on aisle four. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am GamerDude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today we're going back into the world of law. We've talked about the law, or more specifically law school, earlier this year and what that whole process is all about. And that was all part of my long journey to become what I am now, a retired lawyer. But that was just the first steps. You have to go through law school to start the process. Once you graduate law school, you have to take the bar exam. Yes, you have to say it dramatically. You need a dramatic music moment. Any lawyer who hears that phrase, the bar exam. It's enough to strike terror into your soul. Because that test is impossible. Okay, it's not impossible, but it's really, really difficult. And anybody who's graduated law school and anybody who's had to take a bar exam knows exactly what I'm talking about. Imagine the worst possible kind of test you've ever taken in your life. You're in English class in high school. You have a 40-minute class period and you have to write an essay on Romeo and Juliet. And that's your exam. That's a 40-minute class assignment and then you're done. Test is over. The bar exam looks at that and goes, <laughs> Oh, you think that's an exam? Let me tell you what an exam is. The bar exam is a test that covers multiple days. And in my case, it covered multiple days twice because I took two bar exams. No, I didn't fail any. I passed them both first try. But I had to take bar exams in two different states because being the rocket scientist that I am, I practiced in one state and then moved and had to take a bar exam in another state before I could practice there. That's one of the nice little things that they do for you as an attorney. They screw you every time you move. Okay, not every time. If you've practiced long enough, there is a process where you can file a motion in the state you're going into and ask for what's called reciprocity, which basically says, hey, I've been practicing in Ohio for seven years. Hello, New Jersey. Can I practice in your jurisdiction now? But it requires multiple years of practice before you can even make that application. And if you practice for two years in one place and decide, yeah, I don't like it here, then you have to go take another bar, which is what I did. But getting back to the nightmare of tests, the bar exam is a nightmare. It haunts the dreams of anybody who's gone to law school because it is so grueling. And there are people who have attempted it and failed it multiple times before they pass because it can freak you out. It's not just a test. It's a test. And every state does it differently, which compounds the problems. If you go to law school in Ohio and take an Ohio bar exam, you have to take a test prep course for the Ohio bar. Yes, you actually do have to take the course because otherwise you'll never be able to pass it. You need a test prep course of some kind. You don't have to go do it. It can be a self-taught test prep course, which is what I did. You can do it that way, and I did it that way because it was cheaper. And I also had a little bit of self-discipline, and I knew, boy, I better pass this damn thing. But there are places that you go to a class, a test prep class, Every night, five nights a week, or every day, five days a week, depending on your work schedule. And then you study on the weekends for literally weeks before you take this test. And depending on which state you're in, you have to be familiar with the local rules, or at least you used to have to be. I did a little research before I started recording today. I've seen some states have changed, and they're going with more of a national bar exam, at least on certain questions and certain types of essays. But back when I took the bar, each state had its state-specific sections of the essay questions. But I'm jumping ahead. 
Let me paint the picture for you. You've graduated law school. If you graduate in May, for instance, you usually take the bar either in the fall or in the winter after you graduate. If you graduate in the winter, you usually take it in the spring or the summer, again, depending on when they offer it. I graduated in December because I completed my program in two and a half years, so I was ready to take the bar in, I guess it was June or July of the year after I graduated. That gave me six months to prepare for the bar exam. And there are all kinds of courses and books. And when I was taking it, this is really pre-internet. There were no online courses you could take. The courses you could take were either in-person or self-taught out of books that you would buy. And there were businesses that specialized in bar prep courses. And you'd order the bar prep course, and they'd send you a box of books. And included in that box of books were self-tests that you had to take to test yourself to see how you were doing it. So in order to do a self-taught course, you had to have the discipline to go through the books that they sent you, read them, and then take the self-tests. And be honest with yourself and honest with your abilities on how good or how badly you were doing. Now, don't forget, once you've graduated law school and until you pass the bar, you're not a lawyer. The state bar associations don't admit you as a provisional lawyer. They don't say, oh, you're a law school graduate. You can go work in the law. Mm -mm -mm. No, you can be a law clerk. You can work for a firm and clerk there. You could work for a judge and clerk there. And you can make money doing that. But you're not a lawyer. And so you can't actually represent clients. You can do legal type stuff like research. You can help do some writing on briefs. You can be a gopher in a law office, but you can't be a lawyer. You've got six months there before you can take the bar exam where you've got to find a way to feed yourself, to house yourself, and also to study and prepare for the bar. Now, when I took the Ohio bar, it was an exam that covered three full days and it was offered in only one place, the state capital, Columbus, Ohio. I wasn't living anywhere near Columbus, so I knew that if I was going to take the bar, I would have to find a place to stay while I was taking the bar in Columbus. But that was down the road. That was when I was actually taking the bar exam. I had to study for six months before I got to that point. Now, the exam itself, as I said, three days long. It took place over a Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Tuesday and Thursday were essay days. That means you would answer essay questions on Tuesday and Thursday. Wednesday of the bar exam was what was called the multi-state day, and they still do that to this day. The multi-state day is a standardized multiple choice test that's offered to all attorneys across the country, and as I understand it, all on the same day. My understanding is all of the bar exams coordinate so that every prospect of attorney is getting the same multiple choice exam on the same day. They mix up the sequence so you can't copy off your neighbor. Of course, what attorney would do that? <laughs> but... They coordinate the test so that everybody's taking the multi-state on the same day. So let me focus on the Wednesday. Everybody's taking a multiple choice exam on Wednesday. The multiple choice exam consists of 200 questions. You get 100 in the morning and you have three hours to do them. So naturally, if the test starts at nine, you want to be there by 8.30, quarter of, get yourself settled. But the exam starts at nine. You have three hours to answer 100 multiple choice questions. Now you think about that. Well, that's not too bad. 33 questions an hour until you break it down a little further and you go, wait, that's less than two minutes a question. And as you might expect, law school questions are not notoriously easy. They can be very wordy. So you got to be able to read fast, comprehend fast, think fast and get the answer right fast. You're basically answering a question once every two minutes or less, assuming you want to get them all done. That's your morning session. 100 questions in the morning. Then they give you an hour for lunch. Ooh. And in every packet of information they gave you, prepping for the bar, signing up for the bar, getting ready to take the bar, they all said, 
Don't use this hour to cram for the second half. Use it to relax. Use it to eat lunch. Take a break. (laughs) Take a break, sure. I'm sure I'll have no problem relaxing during that hour between the first hundred questions and the second hundred questions. In fact, maybe I'll take a nap. They also say, bring a lunch. You might want to brown bag it because there are concessions here, but the lines can be long. Can you imagine the stress? All I want is a cup of coffee to get me through the afternoon. The line is out the door. I don't want to miss the second half. But on top of that, you have to try to eat something while you're nervous about the second half of the test. And remember, this is Wednesday, so you're only halfway through the test. You're only halfway through the three days of exam. But let's say you had your lunch, you had your nice relaxing break. Then you have to be back sitting at the table at 1 o'clock. And they give you the second hundred questions, and you have from 1 to 4 to complete them. And again, it's the same thing. You're answering a question about every two minutes or less. It sounds doable, and it is doable, but it's stressful. It's super stressful. Oh, they also throw in the little thing, yeah, there's 200 questions. We're grading 190 of them, but answer all 200. So they have 10 throwaway questions, but you don't know which ones they're going to throw away. One of those dirty little tricks they like to play. So that's your multiple choice day. That's Wednesday. Wednesday is sandwiched between, at least in Ohio, two days full of essays. New Jersey was different, by the way. I took the New Jersey bar two years after I took the Ohio bar. New Jersey only requires two days of a test. They have an essay day on Tuesday and the multi-state multiple choice part on Wednesday. New Jersey was an easier bar than Ohio, for whatever reason. Although easier may not be accurate, shorter. It was a shorter bar. Ohio required three days. New Jersey required two days. For whatever reason, each state makes its own rules. New Jersey was fine with two days. So in Ohio, you had two days of essay exams. And these aren't just little essays. Now, I mentioned the Romeo and Juliet essay that you had to do in high school. You had 40 minutes to do it. So imagine that essay. But you have to do six of them between 9 a.m. and 12 p.m. noon. And then you have to do six more from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. That was Tuesday. You had six essays in the morning, six essays in the afternoon, 30 minutes to do each essay. And then on Thursday, you got to repeat the whole thing. You had six more essays Thursday morning, six more essays Thursday afternoon, for a total of 24 essays over the course of three days, broken up, of course, by the multiple choice exam. Now, the thing about the essay exam, they gave you a list of the subjects that they were going to cover. It would be civil procedure and contracts and torts. There'd be questions about constitutional law and criminal law and criminal procedure. They'd have questions about evidence. There are all kinds of rules of evidence that you have to know. So they'd have an essay question about evidence, at least one, probably two. And they'd have a question about property law. Of course, we need to know our property law. One of the things that sticks in my head to this day about property law, which I've never used, but it's still in there, it's the rule against perpetuities. That's fun to say, right? Oh, well, you know, according to the rule against perpetuities, we have so many fun things to say as lawyers. By the way, if you're interested, the rule against perpetuities essentially means that you can't keep property from transferring to other people forever. There has to be an end to a property contract. You can't protect property transfer rights because property should be freely transferable. That's a very simplified explanation of the rule against perpetuities. But it's still in my head. That and res ipsa locator. Yeah, another thing we get to do as attorneys, we get to use obscure Latin phrases. Res ipsa locator means the thing speaks for itself. I know, it's easier to say, well, the thing speaks for itself, but it's not nearly as much fun to say. But I digress. I just gave you the list of topics that the essays would cover, but the dirty little secret about the essay portion of the exam, they don't actually tell you what the essay is covering. 
You know the topics are in there. You just don't know which questions cover which topic. You have to be able to read the question and figure out which topic the question is covering. Yeah, they don't want to make it easy for you to figure out, oh, I'm answering a question about property law or I'm answering a question about evidence. They give you a question with two or three paragraphs of detailed information and then you have to figure out how to answer the question. So you open your packet and on page one is a question that might read like this. Question one. At a local county jail, four trustees, inmates who are working at the jail, were working hard all morning and took their normal 15-minute break. The corrections officer in charge of the inmates had a rough morning. He entered the break room and began to berate them for poor job performance. His verbal reprimand included cursing, insults, and berating the trustees. It only lasted 90 seconds, but it felt much longer to the trustees. As soon as he left, one of the trustees, who was 71 years old and who'd never been to jail before, became intensely ill. He was taken to the hospital, where he told the doctors he thought he was having a heart attack. Although he was told he wasn't having a heart attack, he remained very upset, and when he was released, he decided to sue the jail. Now that's cribbed from some sample questions that are out there. They're all available on the internet these days. When I was prepping for the bar, they were available nowhere, but in the bar prep books that you could buy. Oh yeah, you had to buy them, by the way. Nobody gave you anything. You had to go buy these things. So you'd get that sample fact pattern, and that's a shortened version of it. You'd get that sample fact pattern, and you'd be asked a question, explain the theories of his lawsuit. What grounds could he sue them on? What are his chances of success? So you've read those two paragraphs. You've got the question. Now you've got to figure out, all right, they're in jail. Is it a criminal law case? No, it's not, because he's, uh, he's suing them, so it's a civil case. But can he sue the state? Because the state has uh, sovereign immunity, so I'm not sure he's going to be able to sue them at all. So this is what's going through your head. This is what you have to think about while you're doing this exam. You have to isolate the issues. You have to figure out, okay, what do they want me to answer? Is it a tort question? Is it a civil procedure question? Is it a hybrid question? And you do that six times in the morning, six more times in the afternoon, and then repeat it on Thursday. Sounds like fun, right? Now, of course, at the bar exam, they take every measure to make sure, A, you can't cheat, and B, you can't communicate with other people in order to compare notes. You're allowed to go to the restroom during the three hours, but you can't take any papers with you, and they didn't let people go into the restroom together, at least while the exam was ongoing. They let people go to the restroom together at the end of the session, but you couldn't share a restroom during the course of the exam. And one of the things that I remember to this day is during a break on day one, there were two guys talking in the restroom while I was in there. And one guy was saying, ah, boy, I'm not sure if I got that con law question right. And the other guy was silent. And I was silent, too, because I didn't remember a con law question on the exam during the morning session. So I was in a panic. Wait, was there a constitutional law question in there that I missed? So I started thinking, what what were the questions? Where was the con law question? I I don't remember a con law question. So all during lunch, I'm thinking, so did did I screw it up or, or did he? Because it occurred to me, maybe he saw a con law question where there wasn't one. To this day, I don't know. Because as I said, they don't tell you what they're asking. It's up to you to figure it out and then answer the way you think it should be answered. That little conversation rattled me, I'm telling you. Because I wasn't sure. Did I miss it or did he? So I just vowed to myself for the afternoon, okay, we've got to focus. We've got to make sure we know what we're answering. Make sure we're not missing anything. As you saw from that fact pattern that I gave you, they started the question off in a jail. So your mind automatically goes, oh, it's a criminal law question because they're in jail. But then the guy's released from jail and decides to sue the jail. Oh, so it's not really criminal. It's civil. 
Is it a tort case or is it a civil procedure case? Oh, I don't know. So you do the best you can. And you do that 24 times. As I said, the exam goes from Tuesday to Thursday. You're not allowed to leave before the sessions end. So if you happen to get done early, <laughs> like that happens. But yeah, there's always somebody who gets done early. But if you get done early, you have to sit there to the end of the session. So Thursday rolled around four o'clock and everybody's free to go. And after that, you have several months worth of waiting because it takes them that long to grade the bar exam. Yeah, they don't do it the next day or the next week. I'm trying to remember what the turnaround time was. I think it was a couple of months. I don't remember. That's the thing. I was working as a law clerk for a judge at the time. I was doing research and helping him write opinions. Typical law clerk stuff, pulling books, getting cases. And so I continued to do that as I was waiting for my Ohio results. But once again, they're not in a rush to get it done. And because they're not in a rush, you've got to find a way to keep working while you're waiting for your bar results. If you're lucky... You might have a clerkship at a law firm where you were clerking over the summer. That's the nice thing about getting a job offer from a law firm. If you're working for them during your three years of law school and they make you a job offer, then they usually keep you on while you study for the bar and they let you continue to clerk for them while you're waiting for your bar results. The downside, of course, is if you don't pass the bar, will they keep you on as a clerk or will they say, oh, sorry, if you can't pass the bar, we don't have any room for you. That happens too. I was fortunate because the judge wasn't going anywhere. I mentioned I had clerked at that law firm after my second year and they didn't make me an offer, which was fine with me. I actually hooked up with a judge who was a cool dude. Really great guy. I learned a lot from him and he and I really got along. And he kept me busy. So I had a clerkship that was working just fine for me. After a couple of months, I did get my bar results and I passed. And after that, and only after that, could I start looking for an actual job as an attorney. Fortunately, because of my relationship with the judge and the relationship I developed with other people, I was able to find a job shortly after I got my bar results. Worked out great for me. Wasn't with a big firm. It was with a sole practitioner, but we got along great. We had a good relationship and it was a great first job and I learned a lot. We'll talk about that in more detail in another episode. But that's how the bar exam works. You have to study for it. You have to prep for it. You have to take it. You have to wait for the results. And then you have to hope that you get the job offer. Oh, by the way, it's not free. You have to sign up for it and you have to pay for it. Another one of those dirty little secrets. You have to pay for your bar prep course after you've paid for your law school, of course. The bar prep course costs money. All of the books going with it, they also cost money. Signing up for the bar exam, that also costs money. Oh yeah, they get you going and coming. And of course, I had to do it all over again when I decided to leave Ohio and move back to New Jersey. The reasons for that are also the topic of another conversation. But when I made the choice to move back to New Jersey, I realized... Oh, God, I got to take another bar exam if I want to practice law in New Jersey. And I did, so I did. And again, it was another bar prep course for that one. This was only two days, and New Jersey's exam was only six essay questions. Three in the morning, one essay for each hour, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, and then three in the afternoon on Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, the multi-state multiple choice exam. I don't know why New Jersey's was less grueling or fewer days than Ohio's was, but I was glad. Now, the problem I had when I came back to New Jersey, I had no contacts. I knew no judges. I knew no attorneys. I had decided to uproot myself and start over again in New Jersey. So what did I do for a living while I was prepping for the bar and waiting for the bar results? I worked at a temporary agency. Yeah, you know those places that send you out on day jobs? Well, they need a word processor at this manufacturing plant. I said, I can do that. 
They gave me a typing test. I typed 55 words a minute back when that was good. And so I qualified to go out as a word processor. But I also could do labor. I was working on loading docks. I learned how to use a forklift. I learned how to wrap pallets for shipping. I worked as a word processor at a phone company, one of the earliest wireless carriers. Look up Cellular One. I worked for them for a while. And they all got my backstory. Oh, you're an attorney? Well, technically, I'm an Ohio attorney. I'm just waiting for my bar results, and I'm doing this to put food on the table. And it was a very interesting exercise for me because I was doing word processing, which a lot of guys back then considered secretarial work. And why would a guy be doing that? I was the secretary to some old white guys back then who looked at me like, what's wrong with you? What are you typing for? I ran into a very weird attitude for me from these guys. (laughs) What are you typing for? That's a girl's job. Dude, I'm just trying to eat. But while I was temping, I was also sending out applications to prosecutors' offices and to judges, trying to find a legal place to land. And I ultimately did. That's actually how I wound up at a prosecutor's office, which is where I wanted to be. I got a clerkship in a county prosecutor's office. I explained to them I was waiting for my New Jersey bar results. And so they hired me on as a law clerk. So I was able to stop temping and freaking old white guys out and start doing my legal stuff while I waited for the bar results. And that worked out great for me because I did get the bar results. I passed the bar in New Jersey. And as soon as I got the bar results, they offered me a position as a prosecutor. One of the coolest jobs ever. As I think I mentioned, that was one of the dream jobs that I had when I went to law school. I wanted to be a prosecutor. And so the fact that I was able to do it and was actually pretty good at it was everything that I went to law school for. And I was really happy about that. But we'll talk about that job in another episode as well. But that's what it's like to take a bar exam. It's a process. It's a grueling process. It's not an easy process. It's doable. But boy, oh boy, you'll have nightmares about it. I lost sleep studying. It was one of the most stressful times of my life because I didn't want to fail. I put in two and a half years of hard work in law school, worked my ass off, put in months prepping for the bar. The last thing I wanted to do was let myself down by not passing the exam. And thank God I was able to pull it off. Passing the bar exam, you have to do it. It's just one of the hardest tests you'll ever take. As I said, after passing the bar, I got a couple of great jobs. The first job in Ohio, I was doing criminal defense and family law. After I passed the bar in New Jersey, I actually got into the prosecutor's office, as I said, and I learned a lot in those jobs. A lot of stuff happens in a small law office, which was my first job, and you see a lot of interesting things as a prosecutor. But I'm going to share those stories down the road. That's going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of things. As always, I appreciate your support, and I appreciate all the time you spend listening. Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves, and I'll see you when I see you.